Chiefs definitely chopped it up this past week against the New York Jets. Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm your host, Farzin Vesuvia. Now, this is going to be a much better podcast than last week's episode when we recap the Chiefs and Texans loss. This time, the Chiefs rebound, dominating the New York Jets, and it feels pretty good. I know in the NFL, listen, it's such a short season. People say, oh, it's a long season, uh, still 16, uh, 15 weeks left to go. Well, look, uh, I mean, three games in, we're already 18% into the season, and then by the time Sunday Night Football's over, we're a fourth into the season. And then, of course, the Chiefs do have a bye week coming up, but this is, uh, I mean, the, the season goes by fast, and you cannot waste any time. So it feels really good to be standing at 2-1 and one right now. Especially when you look at the AFC West and some of the surprises we've had. I, th- I think some people were unsure if Oakland, if they were going to be good. And Denver, man, uh, Denver is one of the few, one of the five undefeated teams so far. And by the way, these five teams undefeated. Not many people saw it coming. Not many people saw it coming. So the Chiefs are definitely in for a ride in the AFC West. This could be a division where you're going to see multiple teams from the AFC West make it to the playoffs. Maybe two, maybe three, who knows. And I'll say this right now. My preseason prediction of seven wins for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm starting to think that it could be way off and the Chiefs could be at least... A 500 team. Now, are they a playoff team? A lot of you guys thought that before the season. I didn't. And I'll tell you what. If the Chiefs can make a statement on the road against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football in front of the nation, I'm going to be convinced that I've been more than wrong. And I'll say this. I, I know Marcus Peters. A lot of you guys have gotten on me about this. A lot of you guys disagreed with me on my thoughts on Marcus Peters coming into the season. I'll get on Marcus Peters uh, more in this podcast, but, uh, man, uh, he he's also exceeded my expectations. And he's done it against better wide receivers, too. He's definitely improved this year, and that's good to see. Just want to set up this podcast for you. I actually set up the rest of the week. This is going to be a much shorter podcast, as you guys have already noticed by the time you're, uh, you've clicked play on this podcast. Which, by the way, you can subscribe to on iTunes, and it'll come straight to your library anytime a new podcast is available. This is going to be a much shorter podcast. The next podcast will be a lot longer. We're not going to do the Around the NFL, Out of Bounds, and Penalty Flag segments in this podcast. We're going to save it for the next podcast. Next podcast will be uh, heavy loaded because we're also going to have Max Shepman, the former host of the Steel Pit podcast. He hosted the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast over on iTunes and the SportsStuff.com. That's actually where this podcast is start off at as well uh ran by dylan richardson very good guy still keep in touch with him but uh max is gonna be on uh he was on last year had so much fun with him and uh max might be a lucky charm because when we had him that's when the chiefs got the uh winning streak going so uh who knows maybe uh maybe something else maybe the, the chiefs continue their surge if we bring back max so he'll be joining us to preview the steelers 
and the Chiefs game. He's a, he's actually in the Miami area uh, working for the ESPN radio station there and also for um, multiple TVs. And uh, he, he's been pretty busy covering the whole Jose Fernandez story, just a tragic story. But uh, uh, he's very gracious to give us a few minutes of his time this week, despite all the busyness he's been dealing with with that story. And I'll touch on that a little bit with him because that's been one of the biggest stories this week in sports. But nonetheless, well, we'll preview the Chiefs and Steelers, and then we'll do the Around the NFL, Out of Bounds, and Penalty Flag segments on that podcast as well. As far as this podcast, well, all we're going to do is recap this game between the Chiefs and the Jets and also talk about uh, the positives and the negatives as we do each podcast. A lot more positives than negatives. I know there is one big criticism Chiefs fans have with this game, and I'll touch on that as well. But just to start off, uh, listen, you you can talk to me about ugly losses all you want, but as long as your, your opponents just are held to three points, if that's all they score... 99 times out of 100, you're going to win this football game. Unless it's a 3 nothing or 3-2 to two football game. The Jets averaged 29.5 points coming into this game in their two games combined. If you average those out. And they only scored 3 in this game. And of course, a big reason they only scored 3, well, uh, a pair of interceptions in the end zone when the Jets were in the red zone... Uh, interceptions by Marcus Peters and Eric Berry. Hey, there's a reason why they practice the tip drill. A huge reason why. And uh, you can tell the Chiefs have definitely mastered that in practice as it, they drew it up the the same way they did it in practice. So uh, speaking of Marcus Peters, uh, you know, I, I said I'd talk about him a little bit and just how he's exceeded my expectations personally. He has 12 interceptions in his first 19 NFL regular season games Excluding the interception he had against the Texans, by the way, which uh, is such an astronomical number because nobody in their career, in their first 19 games, had as many interceptions as Marcus Peters has had. He gets targeted a lot, which, again, he, he allows a lot of yards, but finds a way to make up for it by coming up with interceptions. Uh, did that a couple of times last week against Houston, uh, made up for that a uh, big mishap uh, that he had in the first or second drive against Texas. I can't remember. Uh, a lot of big, uh, big play almost went for a touchdown. And then on third down, he came up with that pick. So here's the thing. I've just come to the conclusion that right now, Marcus Peters is the kind of quarterback who is not very good in coverage. He, he's not. He allows a lot of yards. It's. I mean, there's a reason why quarterbacks love to target him. But for some strange reason, he just finds a way to readjust and come up with that big interception. I mean, it's kind of like a baseball player where he might swing and miss at a lot of pitches. But then just at one point in that one game, he finds that right pitch and it goes for a home run. That's kind of like Marcus Peters in football. He'll give up a lot of yards, but then there might be one or two plays where he comes up with an interception, and next thing you know, we're not even talking about the amount of yards he's given up. Now, here's the other thing. He is in his second year in the NFL, and let's be honest, if you're coached by Andy Reid and Bob Sutton, Emmett Thomas, I think there's an opportunity 
for you to grow and continue to mature and improve at that position. The cornerback position is the toughest position for a player to play coming from college going to the NFL. I mean, it's a hard transition because you're going up against top talent wide receivers. Uh, in college, you might be going up against guys who uh, have a very slim chance of making it in the pros. So the cornerback, and the corner, you have to know so many things as a cornerback, know uh, certain cuts, what to expect, when to expect it, and a lot of times quarterbacks aren't ready for it. There are very few who, who master this. Oh, and I don't know if I would call... Marcus Peters, a lockdown corner yet. I, I still think there's a lot that he's got to do, but for the most part, he, he's he been able to come through when the Chiefs needed it. Four interceptions this year, two, two each in the last two games. And by the way, I loved seeing Derek Johnson's interception that went back for a touchdown. Uh, of course, the veterans, the guys who've been on this team for a long time and have made big uh, contributions, uh, you root for those guys. And when I saw Derek Johnson get that pick and I saw him keep running, I was cheering for him to get into the end zone. And once he, at the five or four yard line, he had to battle his way. I, I thought he was going to fall right there, but he kept pushing through. And that was nice to see uh, Derek Johnson get a defensive touchdown. Those guys, I mean, their version of a touchdown is basically a sack or or an interception. So to see these defensive players when they rarely get to go to the end zone, it was was nice to see Derek Johnson get that. So I loved seeing that. That was definitely my favorite play of the game. Uh, Listen, uh, I said this moment ago, Kansas City's offense averaging 11 points in the last two games, but that's okay. Because this time they won. The beauty of football is you have three facets of the game. And the beauty of this game, your defense and special teams came through and the offense struggled. This would be, again, going back to a baseball comparison, because I know everyone in Kansas City is so rampant about, maybe not right now, as uh, the Royals are one game away from being eliminated. But uh, what if you score only one run? And your pitcher goes out there, pitches for seven, eight, nine innings, and gets a shutout. Allows just one or two hits. You're not going to be complaining that the offense got just one run. You're going to be talking about that great defensive performance that allowed you to win at the end of the day. And I mentioned this on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or just search Farzine Vasugan. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And I forgot to mention this on Snapchat. Send me a Snapchat at Farzine V, F-A-R-Z-I-N-V, and I'll send you guys a uh, personalized response uh, on, on a video message. But I mentioned this on, on, on Facebook. I, I asked this. I said, yes, the offense was ugly, but would you rather, quote-unquote, win ugly or lose and everyone gave the same answer, win ugly. And I even responded to, in that comment, I said, look, think about the Super Bowl between the Patriots, or pardon me, the Colts and, or not the Colts, I uh, can't remember what team Manning played for, the Broncos. How could you forget the Broncos and the Panthers? That was the most boring Super Bowl in the world. But guess what? Denver Broncos fans don't care. They don't care that it was one of the worst offensive outings by a quarterback in Super Bowl history. At the end of the day, the Broncos won the biggest game of the year, and they had a big parade for it. And I guarantee you, if this was a Super Bowl, obviously, realistically, it can't be because this is the, we have two AFC teams matching up. But for one second, if this was a Super Bowl right here, we're not going to be talking about the Chiefs scoring just 10 points. 
and being shut down, the offense being shut down in the second half. We're going to be talking about a Super Bowl win. That's all it is. Now, I know the offense has been criticized quite a lot, but there are some positives with this offense as well. Uh, the thing that I really love the most about this offense is you saw a lot of players get involved. Uh, Travis Kelsey, six catches. Jeremy Macklin pulled in four passes. Tyree Kill and Chris Conley each had three catches. I love Alex Smith's ability to distribute the football. I'll continue to say it as much as I need to. This offense has plenty of talent all across the board. And a lot of that talent has to do with speed. Uh, Travis Kelsey, definitely one of the faster tight ends in the NFL. Jeremy Macklin, we all know uh, what he's capable of, especially during his time at Mizzou. That's why he was drafted by the Eagles in the first round. Tyreek Hill, I I think, can do what Jeremy Macklin did as a special teams return man in college. Uh, And we're starting to see some of that translate into the... I saw a glimpse of Dante Hall when he had that juke, uh, that spin move in the first half. So... Uh, this is a guy who I, I, I think might be the most, I mean, the basically the fastest guy uh, since Dante Hall. I, I hear so many coaches say there's a difference between being quick, being fast, uh, and yeah, there there is. I mean, but Tyreek Hill is a mixture of those, and... You, you, you've got to appreciate Alex Smith and what he's done being able to distribute the football. Speaking of appreciating Alex Smith, I think it's time we start. Not necessarily. You don't have to love the guy. I get it. He's not the greatest quarterback. He's not a dominant quarterback like Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger. Here's my thing with Alex Smith. Yeah, again, he he's not your premier top five, top tier quarterback in the NFL. Fine. That's fine. But at the end of the day, does Alex Smith put you in position to lose football games? Very rarely he does that. Very rarely he has a horrible football game. More times than not, he'll find ways to help the Chiefs win games rather than lose them. And look, I'll be honest, if the Chiefs are down by 3 or 4 and they've got to get a field goal to tie or a touchdown to win... Uh, with just two minutes left, I might I might be cringing a little bit. I, I don't know if I rely on Alex Smith in those situations, but I still trust his ability to not turn the football over in this game. If you want to look at it statistically speaking, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and again, I, I know uh, these two don't belong in the same quarterback. These are two different, they, they're in different tiers. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw six interceptions. That was Alex Smith's interception total for all of 2014. Smith threw seven in 2013 and 2015. And listen, uh, second half, definitely they lacked execution. They The Chiefs did show some aggressiveness. It's not like they were conservative. All I, I hear people say they're conservative. Uh, they weren't. They actually took some shots downfield. It's just the execution was not there. Uh, heck, they actually had a touchdown in Spencer's, Spencer Ware's run, but he fumbled it on his way to the end zone, which, by the way, I kind of thought the same thing with Travis Kelsey, but they they, they confirmed it as a touchdown. Uh, and I will say, uh, my biggest concern coming out of this game is we have seen this before, where Andy Reid 
and the Chiefs have a a lead, and we don't see them do much in the second half. In fact, the Chiefs' first game under Andy Reid in 2013 against the Jaguars, the Chiefs get off to a 21 nothing start. The offense doesn't score again. Your your only uh, touchdown of the game was a short touchdown uh, interception for a touchdown by Tom Bahali in that football game. The playoff game against the Colts, uh, I don't need to remind you guys what happened there, but you you all know. In 2014, the Chiefs held an 8-3 and record only to finish 2-4 and in the final six games, blowing a huge opportunity to go to the playoffs, especially after a good season, beating teams like the Patriots and the Seahawks, the two teams that played in the Super Bowl that year. My, my point is this Chiefs team does tend to get a little complacent. Obviously, it didn't come back to bite them uh, in games against... The Jets right here, or the Jaguars, the, the one I mentioned earlier, but uh, other times it has. And the, the Chiefs have got to find a way to accelerate and just floor it for four quarters. If there's anything that I want the Chiefs to improve on, two things is, of course, consistency from the offense. Play fo- good football for four quarters. The second thing is clock management. Andy Reid, and Trent Green mentioned this, in, uh, I don't want to say he criticized. Trent Green's pretty careful when he criticizes the Chiefs because he is part of the preseason homer broadcast for the Chiefs. So I understand his job. I'm not a fan of these homer broadcasts, especially these analysts who go easy on their former teams. Uh, but Trent Green, I, I respect the fact that he was a little critical here. Uh, Andy Reid could not seem to decide if he wanted to just let the clock roll or try to score before halftime. Trent Green said he was surprised Andy Reid was running it. Then the Chiefs call a timeout, flip the script, and suddenly they're passing the football trying to get into field goal position. So uh, it was was weird to watch. I was confused. A lot of people were confused. Trent Green wasn't really sure what what Andy Reid's uh, thought process was. Uh, right before halftime, but the Chiefs have got to make a decision, and, and look, if there's a lot of time left, go 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 try to get a field goal at least. I, I think a lot of fans will, will appreciate that for sure, and not only that, you have more points, more of a cushion coming out of the locker room. So those are my thoughts uh, on this game. Uh, oh, Listen, overall, the Chiefs found a way to win this football game. 24-3, there are stuff to improve on, but it's easier to talk about after a, a, a win than a, a loss. Listen, this offense did not look a lot different than last week against the Texans. Only difference is they got a touchdown. Uh, just heck, they actually scored more uh, offensively. Well, technically on special teams, but uh, you got more points last week on offense than this week. And again, I mean, that happens in sports. You t- you have these weird pattern or not patterns, but some things go right and some things go wrong. And the Chiefs uh, coming in with just ten points, they found a way to get help on defense and special teams. All three facets scored in this football game, and when you score on all three facets, you damn sure have to win. And that's what the Chiefs did. They didn't just win; they dominated. The the Jets and <laughs> Todd Bowles was not a happy camper after that game with uh, some of his post game comments. But the Chiefs did pick up the win. And uh, again, yes, uh, th- there are a lot of stuff to work on. But 
I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, it's it's a lot easier to talk about these kinds of things and for these players to improve in practice after a victory. Now, sure, as fans, we're sitting here enjoying the win, but trust me, uh, when they're in the film room, guess what Andy Reid's doing? Guess what the coaching staff does? Every coaching staff in football does this, even after a win. The first thing they do is they pull out the game film and they show the negatives. I mean, players are on their high. The veterans expect this. But you know what? They're showing Marcus Peters some of the plays he allowed. They're showing Derek Johnson some of the tackles he missed, despite the great game he had. So uh, coaches go over this with their players. So uh, I'm sure the Chiefs... I'm going to work on these. Uh, Every football team does. Every coaching staff in the NFL will look at these negatives and try to find a way to translate them into positives. And again, winning winning cures a lot of things. Coming off a win, everyone's in high spirits and they'll, they'll want to work on this and they'll be motivated even more to do it. Especially going into a game where the Steelers are pretty ticked off. They just got their butts kicked. By the Eagles, I I believe that's the worst loss in Steelers history in the last 20 or 30 years. It was bad. It was bad. And the Steelers are pretty pissed off and they want to rebound really badly. And uh, again, we'll preview that with Max Shepman, the Sunday night football matchup between the Chiefs and the Steelers on the road on NBC. Again, it's a national primetime game, so a lot of eyes on this game. And, And listen, and not just because this is a Sunday night game, it's more so the opponent if the Chiefs do find a way to win, I don't care if they win 3 nothing. I'm convinced that this is a playoff team. But they've got to win this football game. Because, in my opinion, looking at the schedule, and I know the Broncos are 3-0 and and the Chiefs will play them twice, but honestly, I think the Steelers are the best team the Chiefs will face in the regular season this year. And this is going to be the biggest test of the season. Maybe... Maybe I, I I take this back and I, and I say something different going into Christmas when the Broncos and Chiefs play, possibly for a division or a playoff spot of some sort. But for right now, uh, I, the Chiefs have a big opportunity to make a statement. They made a big statement against the Jets, but let's be honest. We know the Jets are not on the same level as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Chiefs have got to find a way to walk out of Pittsburgh with a win. For two reasons. Number one, it's Pittsburgh. I mean, that's a big game you want to win. Number two, you do not want to go into the bye week thinking about a loss. The toughest thing about the NFL is losing and having to go through it for a week. Maybe eight days, depending if you play Monday night. If it's a Thursday, well, you have a shorter time span to really feel bad about the loss. But at the end of the day... And I know players say that there's this 24-hour rule where you sulk in the win or celebrate or sulk in the loss or celebrate the win. But let's be honest, man. If you lose a game and you go seven days of practice just working out before your next game, it's on their minds. It's on their minds, no doubt about it. So you want to win that Steelers game and go into the bye week with a 3-1 record. You'll feel pretty good about that, especially when you get ready for a Raiders team that's, again, doing uh, better than some thought. So that'll be a big game for the Chiefs after the bye week. But for now, Chiefs and Steelers playing on Sunday Night Football. Thank you guys for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Enjoyed celebrating this win with you guys. A big win for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
and appreciate all the discussion. Facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine or search Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and send me a Snapchat at Farzine V F A R Z I N V and I'll send you guys a video res- a personal video response on Snapchat. Again, we will do the around the NFL out of bounds and penalty flag segment in the preview podcast this week. We'll also have Max Shepman previewing the Chiefs and Steelers with us here on the Chiefs Zone. So stay tuned for that later this week. Again, thank you guys for listening. Talk to you later this week.